Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome aboard. This is your captain speaking, Debbie Buyaki. And today we'll be taking a flight over Nature's View, a 2030 climate journey story, kicking off from Nairobi, straight off to Brazil. This is going to be an exciting one, so I hope you enjoy this climate journey story. Seatbelts on and wheels up. Thank you, passengers, for being here yet again for another special expert. I'd like to call them expert episode. Today with me is my friend. We met through United People Global. I think I mentioned this in episode one, season one, of how many people it has and the great people that we met. So this is one of the people we met. He's in the climate field world, of course. And today we'll be talking a little bit about data and climate change, communications in climate change, and maybe a little bit, you know, with regards towards the action side, content creation in climate change. So if you want to join this side of climate and spread awareness, how do you start with a content creation? So I'd like to introduce to you my guest. His name is Rildan Gomez, and he will tell us a bit about himself before I spill the wrong beans. So go ahead and tell us your name and where you're from and what you're currently doing. So uh, thank you for that introduction. I'm so flattered and it's such an honor to be here and talk a little bit about climate change communication and some some other facts. You know, as you said, I'm Hilden Gomes. I'm from Brazil. I live near the, the city of Rio de Janeiro, right? So it's four hours by car. My city is Campus dos Uetacazes. And um, that's uh, pretty much it. right now. I'm I'm concluding. I'm in the final run of my master's degree in environmental engineering, where I study urban heat islands, the urban heat island effect on my city. So that's pretty much it. Wow, we've got the biggies here. What I never, I think, until yesterday is when I discovered it's actually an environmental engineer. Hmm, good job. So now that we're talking about your your country and your city. Do you want to tell us uh, a bit, some fun facts that maybe the rest of the world doesn't know about Brazil or your city or Rio? I think people have called you before uh, an encyclopedia and I, I for sure can say he's a nerd at all of this. He knows so many facts about his country, which for me is very challenging because I know nothing. <laughs> he knows all the way to like the 17th century and how, you know, the Portuguese language was da da da. But anyway, that's not in our field today, the climate field. So how about you tell us a few facts about Brazil, your city, or anything that you think will be great to find out? So I'm going to tell some facts based on uh, our conversations, okay? Because, uh, yeah, the the number one fact that really interesting that is that Brazil is the most biodiverse country in the world. So that's a uh, pretty... Uh, big responsibility for ourselves you know but that's uh it's interesting because we are we are the most biodiverse country in the world because we are located in uh the tropical zone and we have a pretty big uh territory you know the biodiversity is not uh, uh evenly distributed in the world it, it's, it's usually distributed most in the tropical zones and we have uh, as i said this area 
and uh, have the, some biomes that are really that are really dense in forest uh, and like the Amazon, you know, the Amazon, and uh, we have also the Atlantic forest that's pretty much uh, destroyed, unfortunately, because of uh, exploitation. So it's only left 12% of that uh, of that uh, forest. But uh, we also have the most biodiverse savanna in the world, like uh, that's the Cerrado. Uh, and other, we have some other biomes, other tree biomes, that's the Caatinga, the Pampas, and the Pantanal. Okay, I think um, for sure I do not know that 12% of the Atlantic is what is remaining and that biodiversity is not actually evenly distributed across the world and the most biodiverse savanna being in Brazil. You know, in Africa, especially in Nairobi, we brag about our savanna because we have, you know, the wildebeest and the zebras. But I did not know even with all that, we were not the most biodiverse. So that's pretty uh, interesting to know. And for sure, I think that doesn't everyone agree if you like trees and the nature and the wilds that you want to move to Brazil because I want to move to Brazil now. I think um, <laughs> you can talk about as well this is me giving it out do you know how bees impact our ecosystem this is just like a detour and a question to you maybe you can spill the beans as well and talk about the bees you own this is a complete diversion but i want to hear about it so uh about the bees the bees have a, a lot of impact uh, i believe uh, 80 70 to 80 percent of our food depends on uh, bees pollinization so that's a pretty important job you know and uh, and uh, the there is the fact that also that some bees are most specialized on some trees so uh, we we got the honeybees so uh, the species is the, the apis you know but there's also the some other bees. There are there are some bees that live. Uh, they are solitary. They live by by themselves. And there are social bees. There are the honeybees. And there are there are also the stingless bees that we have here in Brazil. Uh, around 300 species. And there are like 500 species worldwide. And you can't just uh, have them just close to your home. There's no problem. They are really there are different species. Some species they can uh, attack you, but they don't have sting. They just uh, they just try to grab through your hair, you know. But the other ones are just so calm. You can manage them at home. They are really different. They don't they don't create that. The honey is not stored in that honey that uh, hexagonal structures. They store it in in some pots that's like egg shaped and they produce their wax in a different way as well. They use uh, they use the wax, but they use they also uh, uh, use some resin from trees. So when you uh, uh, use that honey, the honey uh, will have some a little bit of that resin from the tree. So their honey is usually more uh, medicinal. The honey bees. I also am sad because I just learned about that i just knew that there were stingless bees there are native bees from my country 
just learned there when I when I was like 24 years old. And this is something uh, that scares me because it's the biodiversity of my country and I didn't know about that, you know. And uh, but since I learned that I have two hives in my my yard and I want to have some more species. I have this species called called Jatai, but I want some other species as well, like, like Mondasaya or Mirin. And there are a lot of species, as, as I say, there are like 300 here. But yeah. Nice. So for sure, I think I was also this month old when I found out there are bees that don't sting. I still find it so <laughs> out there. But yeah, in regards to taking action, my peoples, if you want to... I've always emphasized on this. With everything in climate, there's a way you can actually take action in a simple way. So he has two hives at his backyard. What do you have that's helping the planet, considering 70 to 80% of the food that we depend on as human beings is actually brought about by the pollination of bees? So there's always something you can do. So now we're moving into the data side of climate change, and this will also inform our next uh, topic of communication in climate change. What do you have to say concerning the data in climate change, considering this past few, maybe years, but more so this year, lots of scary statistics have been coming out in regards to how bad we are with climate uh, and how you know we need to take action. So what do you think is the role of data in climate change? I believe data plays a, a really important role to, uh, but data alone itself it does not solve the problem, you know, because data, we can show some data, but like, oh, the plant warmed like uh, one degree Celsius since uh, Industrial Revolution. That's important data. I believe that doesn't show the magnitude of the problem, you know. So when we say like, like uh, uh, that one degree means like uh, more than one atomic bomb per second that gives a, a, a little a little bit more of the, the dimension of the problem you know so we've got data on sea, sea level rise we've got data of warming we've got data of uh, biodiversity loss we've got a lot of data but uh, when we are uh, talking to people explain because we, when we are in the scientific area, we are talking to each other and uh, there are people are on, from the same uh, uh, area of expertise and so everybody is going to understand. But we have to make more people understand everything. So that's the important we use to, uh, so that's important to use some analogies to explain people uh, how they are being affected and to give people, to make people understand with uh, things that are on their daily lives, I mean, atomic bombs, you know, aren't, aren't on their daily lives, but they, everybody pretty much understands what that means. That the atomic bombs are some really, I really know for for uh, to people, you know. So when uh, when we are talking about. Uh, climate change communication in itself, we have to watch some perspectives. We have to watch the, the perspective of science. That's the base. We we are going to listen to understand the science behind the facts. So by studying it, we are going to uh, uh, translate also. What we, we're going to see the perspective from the people, the general public or the 
the, your audience, maybe you're going to talk with some uh, of the youth of the plants, maybe you're talking to to childs, uh, maybe you're talking to just to people from Kenya or just from people from Brazil. So you have to change your message according to your audience, you know, for them to understand everything. Maybe you're going to talk about to Muslim people, to Catholic people. So that changes your message to, to reach that people and to, as I said, you, we use some analogies. So the analogies are going to be matching your audience, you know, and you got to watch your perspective as well. You got to know what you understand and what you don't understand about the facts. So you don't go into a territory that you're going to say some some things that that they aren't the true facts, you know. So I believe that it's pretty much is that those three perspectives and the day the, the data is the base. You know, you got to have the data and uh, you got to translate that data to reach some people. That's really interesting. Just to run down again, data is not as well effective if not communicated properly. And how can this be done is by putting into perspective of not only your audience, but maybe even the larger population to try and see how they actually, the things they relate to with day-to-day -day lives, how that data can be transformed to a way that when it's narrated to them, they understand it through those perspectives. So I think science and facts are something we all bank on, but to understand what it's saying or what they're delivering is where perspective comes in, which is quite interesting. I, I didn't think there's a whole, you know, layer of communicating data as opposed to including perspectives in it. That's really interesting to know. I feel like I'm really learning a lot with this guest episodes more than I knew, which is really nice. So breaking down to simple terms, understandable terms as per the audience is the main key of data in climate change. By the way, he actually has a YouTube channel that I will attach the link maybe in the description. So when it comes to communicating this, there's a lot of data creation and content creation in the other side of it to communicate the data. So what would be, in terms of action points as well, what do you think are key areas that anyone who wants to, you know, spread awareness on the climate change field can start from? What do you think is the go-to to spreading climate change awareness in terms of content creation? So there's an interesting story that I'm going to talk in the end of this section. But uh, I believe we, ha we have to start from the basics, you know, have to start from the basics to explain some basic con concepts. Like we got the concept of weather and we've got the concept of climate, you know. So when we are talking about the weather, we're talking about the atmospheric conditions in just right now. So, oh, it's this temperature, the wind is this uh, in this direction, this speed. And so it is right now. And when we are talking about the climate, we are talking about the pattern of these atmospheric conditions, you know. So like in my city, we have a pretty hot summer and lots of rainfall on, on the summer. And we've got a really uh, mild winter. We don't reach temperatures below like 10 degrees. We don't have so much rainfall on the winter. So 
the weather is something, and the climate is another thing. So it's like uh, the weather is like around 30 years pattern. So climate don't change in a second. They change slowly and now we are affecting it and it's changing faster than we can watch in the uh, the record, you know. And the other important concepts is global warming and climate change. Global warming is the average increase of the temperature of the Earth. As I said, it's around uh, one degree Celsius since the Industrial Revolution. So, and climate change is the change in that parents of the climate. So, this, the changes in temperature, right? The temperature is rising, but also the change in, in the patterns of rainfall. Like, uh, it's not even, um, it may be not even created by the emission of greenhouse gas. Like, there's an, an area in the Amazon, just in the south of the Amazon, that is uh, it's facing uh, less rainfall because uh, a lot of the trees are being cut down on the north and um, a big tree in the Amazon, it puts like uh, a thousand liters of water in the atmosphere. And, there, and, that, um, and that creates that lot of trees just uh, making that water in, in the, into the atmosphere create the, what we call the flying rivers. And the flying rivers, the, they usually come from the north to the south. So when we are cutting down the trees, we are reducing the rainfall in the south region. And that's a place uh, that there's a lot of agricultural production. So they are facing some problems because they, ha they are having less water. So as I said, there's the global warming, the increase of temperature, and the climate change that the, the, the increasing of the temperature is included, but other facts as well are included. So changes in wind patterns, changes in uh, rainfall patterns, they are included in climate change. And the story that I left for the end of the top of this section is uh, there's one great video on the Vox channel on YouTube that uh, that talks about uh, uh, a scientist that had a three minute pitch uh, just to the most important entity, not the most important, but uh, uh, the most important person right now alive here with us in the Catholic Church, that's the Pope Francis. He just had to explain him about climate change in three minutes. How could he, he actually do that? <laughs> so he, he thought about some things. He had to talk to the Pope, three minute pitch, to explain him about climate change. He thought about lots of stuff to just explain the Pope. Maybe he, he was going to talk about carbon dioxide and stuff, but that didn't matter a lot. Maybe the Pope one wouldn't understand, but the time he met Pope Francis, he changed his strategy. His strategy. He talked, so we've got this problem, climate change, and uh, there were one billion of people, around 1 billion of people, are the ones that are the most responsible for it. And we have 3 billion people. You, The poor people, they are facing the most, uh, the, the, most of the consequences. So we have these problems, this moral issue, this is an ethic issue, that uh, we, this, this inequality in uh, the people that are causing and people that are suffering the consequences. So he explained that in pretty much three minutes, and then the Pope uh, asked him, 
what can I do to help you? And he said, so you're the moral and ethical leader of a great part of the, the world. So you just, when you are, you are talking to people, just talk to them to be better stewards for our planet. So you see, as I said before, it doesn't matter. Uh, uh, data is important because it's base, but it matters how you are, you are going to talk to your audience. In this case, it was the Pope. Then uh, after this, this conversations, it was in 2014, the Pope released some, you can read uh, the Pope's speeches and he, he is going to talk about it all the time. He cares a lot about the Amazon. You can hear he talking he talking about the Amazon a lot. And he talks also about about it in their in his encyclic encyclic. I believe that's the word encyclic. Uh, and he released that in I believe in 2015. And that it's an important message. He wrote a letter to the the church to people of the church the encyclical and told people to care more about the environment, care more about the climate. And so that message from that scientist was based on the science, but he changed the, the structure. He talked about the, the issue in, in, the, in a better way for the people to understand. And that created a lot of change. There is even, uh, they explained the Pope Francis effect that it had on the population from that church. So he changed the world because he researched it, but also because he communicated it. So that's really interesting. All right. So even as we run down on our time, I think uh, when it comes to climate change uh, communication, which is also the best fit for climate change content creation, we have to start with explaining the basic concepts to the people, depending on your audience. I think even in climate change, you should make it uh, more of a global audience and not limit it's to anyone as this podcast is for a global audience so that we all know what's happening to our planet. We are sharing it anyways. So explain the basic concepts. Don't assume everyone knows because I think we are in the climate field, uh, Rildan and myself. So we kind of know everything ish, ish in the climate field, but explaining the basic concepts would be something great and somewhere great to start from. Then apart from that, give the perspectives to the audience in terms of how this climate change problem is affecting them directly. So you see with his example, how it was explained to the Pope is how it will affect him directly and the people he's leading. To policymakers, to governments, how will climate change affect the effectivity of delivering their agendas and their manifestos to the people? To school teachers, to school heads, how will climate change affect the learning of students? So it's about perspectives and the audience you're trying to deliver to. As much as I have said, sometimes your audience could be global. It's global who? Global teachers, global governments, global policy makers. So try to, as much as you start, even if it's through um, a podcast like ourselves, through a YouTube channel, through random posts on social media, Make sure you're breaking down the data and what it means. And this is something I can say I have learned, I am seeing now. In the climate field, we have a lot of data and lots of scary facts and posts and, you know, journals and reports that's data. But as I am seeing now, perspective is too important than anything when it comes to communicating this um, 
they say, yes, we say we're going to hit the 1.5 degrees in less than five years. And this is in 2023. What does that mean to the farmer in the village? What does that mean to the driver who's going to have to, you know, take different routes because of excessive rain somewhere. So basically and definitely, whatever means of content creation that you choose when it comes to the climate field, try to make the perspective of the data you're communicating to the people and the audience you choose to be in their perspectives from their eyes. So I think we have, um, let me just steal it as well, if I haven't mentioned it previously, in Stop Ecocide, I had a campaign, I ran a campaign for the Youth Wing, Youth for Ecocide Law, on ecocide in our eyes. Yes, we say ecocide is the mass destruction of, you know, land and environment and ecosystems. But what does that mean to someone in India? What does that mean to someone in, you know, Pakistan? It means floods, it means, you know, effluents being let loose into rivers. It means deforestation in, in Europe for coal mines. So... There's a lot of perspective that needs to be put forward when it comes to communicating data in climate change and climate change uh, content creation. So I think we're out of time and it is so early, by the way. Right now it's like 6 to 7 a.m. in Brazil. So thank you so much for waking up so early, even though we've been planning for a few, maybe months now have this uh, 20-something minute podcast so thank you for coming through. Is there something uh, you'd like to close with shortly? Just as I told uh, and you uh, explained also really well we have to, to talk people about their perspective but there's an important thing as well that we have to talk about causes and we have to talk about the effects and we, when we are talking about the effects of climate change we see a lot of images of polar bears and stuff that's really important, you know, but we have to show how it's affecting people, how people are being affected by the heat, by the, the fires, by the floods. So we, we have to show people because people are being really affected. And we have also to show the solutions because the solutions, there are a lot of no regret solutions. There are, there are solutions that we can do it because they don't have, they don't have almost or almost any problem to be implemented, you know. So uh, we have to put that as well into perspective because we have to talk about the problems, of course, but we have also to talk about the solutions because we have to change our future, we have to change the, the way that we are going because we are facing lots of problems and they are going to get worse unless we do something. And a lot of the solutions are really great. We have even the no regret solutions or low regret solutions because they are like solar energy. Solar energy creates jobs. It's a cheap alternative and it just has the problem of intermittency, but doesn't have that huge problems as we have on fossil fuels, you know? So we have to talk about these solutions to change the reality. Because there are really lots of solutions. We don't have one, we have lots. And we, we have to talk about them for them to be implemented and to, for us to change the reality. And that's it. That was uh, an amazing talk. Amazing. I have never recorded a podcast and this was an amazing experience. And I, I want to create one podcast as well. <laughs> nice. Look at this. This is quite... Um... Flattering and encouraging to our listeners and I. So show people the problem, but also show people the solution. We have to change our future 
and not climate. How we behave and how we, we respond to climate is going to determine our future. So we have to change climate, not the future. So thank you so much for coming again. I know it's been lots of um, planning and issues as well, health-wise and everything and time and waking up early. So thank you for showing up again. Now, as I conclude, thank you as well to our listeners for joining us on this flight. I hope definitely to see you on the next flight because we're learning so much, including myself. So I hope you're learning uh, equally as much as we go forward. See you on the next flight for Earth.